Man, I hope every one of these bats get what they deserve. Prosecutors say next to be indicted will be company spin doctor Dick Harper. Harper gave what? Misleading indicted. About one the indicted? That's not fair. They made you go on that show. Did you hear what they said, Jane? I'm going to be indicted. Yeah, but you only said what they told indicted, you. Indicted, Jane! Indicted! I'm going to be indicted! No, it is going to be okay. Indicted! Honey, Dick. Indicted! Honey. I'm going to be indicted! Hold it. They can't. It's going to be okay. Just calm down. I can't calm down. I'm going to be indicted! Indicted! Welcome to the main event. He's been indicted. He's been indicted. And how many indictments are there at this point? I think I'm kind of losing track. I pulled that clip from the movie Fun with Dick and Jane starring Jim Carrey because I thought it was appropriate. I told uh, some of my friends on the left, can you just pick like one indictment? Because when it gets to the point where like 10 or 20 of these things, it's pretty obvious. It's just flat out election interference. I know a relative of mine had said, you know, maybe there's something to some of these charges and ask him, look, let me ask you one question. If Trump wasn't running for office, would any of these indictments be put be coming down? And the answer is, well, no, I guess not. So that's my point. This is all political interference. I am Scott McAfee. I'm the owner of Don's Bicycle Store in Rialto and Redlands. I'm filling in for Ed Hoffman. Ed is on vacation. He'll be back in a couple of weeks. I do need to make my normal disclaimer. I am not a professional radio talk show host. Nope. I'm just a regular person, just like you, but I'm very politically incorrect, and I got a big fat mouth, and I'm not afraid to use it, which makes me the perfect fill-in host for Ed. But before we get down to business, or as we say in Rialto, Bitness, I do need to highlight the founder of the feast, the sponsor of the show, and that is United American Mortgage Corporation. If you're ready to get involved with any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate and you need financing, Call Ed at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020, day or night. If you want to get in touch with Ed and you don't want to talk on the phone, you can find him at edhoffman.net Click and click on the lending logo. If there's any part of this show that you want repeated, go to edhoffman.net and you can click on the podcast page and listen on demand anytime. And if you can't always hear the show on the radio, this is the easiest way to hear it anytime you want. And, of course, if you need a new bicycle, you can go to donsbikeshop.com or you can call me at 909-875-7310. That's 909-875-7310 for that new bike. Or, once again, go to donsbikeshop.com. So, got a lot to cover um, today. And, uh, first of all, I want to bring in my favorite co-host, Jody Swan, a.k.a. AKA that conservative girl. Jody, welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Scott. Sure. Well, you know, and as I look back, I mean, I've, I've been a co-host with Ed and, and a host for a number of years now. And as I, as I look back on the shows that we've done, there are some that are just, just really stand out to me in my memory as being very powerful and, and very significant. And I think one of the most important shows that I have ever done uh, is interviewing a young man named Tim Gianna, a.k.a. Baked Alaska, who's an Internet personality. Um, Tim went to the cap, went to uh, D.C. on January 6th. And while he was there, he was live streaming the whole event for his show. Uh, didn't think much of it. It seemed, for the most part, fairly uneventful in, in his words. Uh, Tim was approximately a week later arrested uh, by armed marshals, and he spent... Uh, several um, terms in prison as a result of this. Uh, this is a guy that I have been personally praying for over the last several months. I am pleased to say that he is out of prison now after serving his second term, and he joins us now for his first interview. Tim, welcome to the program. Hey, Scott. Thanks for having me. No problem, man. So let's 
let's kind of dive right in here. Um, for the people that are listening that don't know who you are, what you're, what you're all about, can you give us kind of a brief overview of who is Baked Alaska? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, a lot of people call me like the Forrest Gump of politics. <laughs> I, I sort of just uh, end up at the center of all these crazy events, uh, whether it be J6 or, you know, so many different Trump rallies and, and political uh, events, uh, because like you said, uh, as a living, what I do is I live stream full time. I go around, I interview people. I, I, you know, I, I just see what's happening in the world. Uh, things that are trending, things that are interesting. And, and yes, I'm a conservative, but I have covered other things too. I've covered the, uh, you know, liberal gun marches and all sorts of things because, you know, I like to hear perspectives from everybody. And I think that's interesting. So, um, yeah, when I went to the Capitol on January 6th, I was there and um, well, actually the night before and, and we talked about this before. I was the guy who uh, uncovered Ray Epps. Yes. Uh, you know, the whole Fed, Fed, Fed. Right, right. And I'm going to come back. World. I'm going to come yeah. back to that, too. I want to talk to you about more <laughs> of that in detail. But yes. Sure. Yeah. But um, but then on on actually, you know, the next day. On January 6th, um, I thought it was going to be uneventful. Like you said, I was like, OK, boring day. Trump's giving a speech. It's basically over whatever. Uh, I guess he said, go over to the Capitol. I go over to the Capitol. It was it was freezing out and it was just an absolute uh, it was just mayhem. I saw, you know, the cops attacking the crowd, et cetera, et cetera. I'm like, what is going on? And me as a content creator. Oh, my gosh, I got to follow the action. Why? Why would I walk away uh, from a historic event. So um, I walked through an open door with a huge crowd. Uh, in fact, uh, the uh, footage came out and it, it showed that the cops were at the door. They were fist bumping people, giving thumbs up. They weren't stopping anyone. They didn't feel threatened, uh, which is pretty crazy when the mainstream media said this was a violent insurrection and all that. And and just to be clear, too, listen, some people were violent that day and, and I don't support violence. I, I think those people uh, should uh, be held to account. But um, I, I can tell you I was nonviolent. That, that's been proven over and over. I was nonviolent. I didn't touch anybody. I didn't loot. I didn't break any windows. I, did, I didn't break down a door. Um, so I guess what you have to ask yourself, and, and this goes for both sides, is that should somebody like me that got a misdemeanor for trespassing be subject to an ankle monitor, uh, being on home detention several months, uh, you know, pre-trial and all that, uh, being on pre-trial probation for over two years, uh, serving several months in federal prison, including 16 days in the hole where I was in 24 seven lockdown, absolutely terrible conditions where I almost died. And then when you, when you get done with all that, I did serve another term, um, another 30 days. And after all that two years probation. Um, so it's been absolute hell. My parents, uh, my mom was sued by the January 6th commission subpoenaed for our phone records. Um, Luckily, we won that appeal. But, you know, it's it's been absolute hell uh, for me and my family. And I, I want to say this, too, is that, you know, I'm, I'm so happy to be out. I'm so happy to be done with my prison sentence. And in fact, I praise God for my experience, because now I have a story to tell. I have a testimony um, that I never thought I would be a part of. It, it, it's really crazy. But, you know, my heart goes out. There's so much breaking news today. We have uh, Rufio. We have Joe Biggs, uh, Enrique Tario getting 33 years or that's what the prosecutors want them to get, um, which is absolutely insane. I mean, you you have literal rapists and pedophiles that are getting less time than this. What murderers like what is going on in this country? And so, you know, there's a lot I want to talk about. But, you know, obviously, you know, the way the J6ers have been treated is absolutely insane. We had a, a uh, leak from the Gateway Pundit where one of the gentlemen was literally in a closet 24 seven, like people will die in these conditions. It's dirty. Uh, you know, people it's dangerous. People are stabbing people, stealing from you. Like it's like third world conditions. And I really don't think our citizens know what's going on. And, you know, I think this is a call too for some bipartisan help here because I think both sides can say, Hey, let's, let's have some common sense prison reform. This is I don't, like, these people are, you know, suffering in, in, in basically a dungeon and being tortured for for a misdemeanor or for, you know, 
trespassing in the Capitol. You know, it's it's ab- absolutely insane. But my my heart does go out for you know people facing years and years. Like I've suffered so much, and, and but but there's other people that are suffering more. Some are suffering less. You know, there's there's over a thousand people in this whole thing. But yeah, it absolutely breaks my heart seeing the news today. So, and the, and the guys you referenced a moment ago, those were members of the Proud Boys group, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Right. And for those people who don't know, who are the Proud Boys? For those people who are, I've heard about, you've heard about the Proud Boys. The Proud Boys are kind of vilified as this domestic terrorist organization, right? That's kind of how they're portrayed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, what I know about them is that um, I'm not a part of any group, by the way. And, and I guess that's one thing that actually helped me is uh, different people have asked me to be, hey, be part of this. And, and I, I've just seen the writing on the wall for a while. I, I don't think it's fair to be clear, but. I notice when you're part of these groups, the government is uh, very easily able to put you in these boxes and say, oh, you're part of this group conspiracy. You're, you're an oath keeper. You're a proud boy. Right. And I think there's lots of fine people in, in those groups. Uh, I'll be very clear. Um, I think, you know, there's also uh, I think feds have infiltrated groups like that to, uh, you know, entrap patriots as well. Uh, so you got to be very, very careful of anything with like a membership card and all that. And you know, it shouldn't really be like that, but that's just how it is. But anyways, um, yeah, these people got treated very unfairly. You have Stuart Rhodes, who was sentenced to, I believe, 18 years, and he wasn't even there. Enrique Tario, he wasn't there. He was not in Washington, D.C. Like, can we talk about this? 33 years and he wasn't in D.C. What like what does that mean? Like, oh, my gosh, it's just crazy. But, yeah, the Proud Boys was they were founded by Gavin McGinnis as like a beer drinking club. Uh, Cause I remember when it, when it first happened and um, I, I was with some friends, Gavin Milo, and they invited me out in LA, you know, and people were just drinking, having a good time. They liked Trump uh, sort of masculinity, alpha so, sort of stuff. It, it was like a men's club sort of thing. So um, I, I think it did get more political over the years. And I don't think Gavin's a part of it now. Um, but I definitely didn't get like some weird, like terrorist vibe or anything. It it was just like a sorority, you know, or fraternity. Sorry. Um, yeah. And everyone from the proud boys has always been super nice to me and I've always had a good time with them. In fact, they've actually protected a lot of people. Like when Antifa would attack, um, different Trump supporters or Patriots, I mean, the the cops weren't doing their job and the Proud Boys would be some of the only people who would be defending, you know, women and children, which is very noble. Yeah. And I guess I want to, like, go back up a little bit and I want you to kind of describe J6 a little bit more. Now, you said the guards just let people in. Now, that that's obviously not the message that we've been given by the mainstream media for, like, years now. That's not that's not what we were shown. We didn't show guards, like, letting people in, right? So, well, actually, <laughs> that did happen. Yeah. Um, you know, there is, um, contrary to popular belief, I guess, or the mainstream narrative, whatever you want to say, um, check out on my Twitter, at Baked Alaska on Twitter. I guess it's called X now. Whatever. Same thing. X.com. But uh, if you look on there, I I, I tweeted out a video and I didn't. This is another thing. I mean, there's so many atrocities that have happened uh, with the J6 cases. But um, one of them is that I did not have all of my evidence at my trial or at my um, sentencing. Sorry. And um, where was the footage that I needed to confirm what I was saying that I was let through an open door that cops were saying I was okay, et cetera. It was on my phone that was seized from the federal government. Huh? Isn't that strange? So they, they take your stuff from you and then you have footage on there. You can't access it. I, I, I didn't have access to that phone for two and a half years. And then when I was finally done with all my uh, serving all my time, I turned on the phone. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I had a video and I, I tweeted it out. Um, and, and I'm seen there, the cop comes up to me, like thinking I'm part of this, like, cause there was a mob, like breaking windows and doing different stuff. He comes up to me, kind of pressing me. And I was like, no, 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 I'm just filming, just filming, just, you know, I'm media. And he's like, okay, okay. And he gives me a thumbs up. So it's like, you know, that's the question you have to ask. And there's another video of me fist bumping a cop. And he's like, I, okay, I understand why you're here. Like, you're good. That's not trespassing. 
that <laughs> trespassing you have like legally you have to give people a reasonable amount of time to leave the premises you have to give them a warning you can't just put cuffs on them you like like think i'm sure everybody's been trespassed from somewhere maybe from a bar or or you've at least seen it you have to give people a reasonable warning you can't just put people in cuffs right away on trespassing that's not how the law works but um apparently you know they really didn't care about um, the law or the justice system, we see that playing out now with uh, Trump's four indictments, which is just absolutely insane. Um, but but yes, the cops did let people in because, um, I like I said, I have another video of when I entered, the doors were open and there was two cops, one at both side, uh, sides of the door, and they're standing there. And, 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 and they're not saying anything about like they you know they could have easily said don't come in you're trespassing you're going to be arrested no nothing and 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 there's there's several videos of that 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 was my experience i walked through an open door i didn't climb through a window i didn't break anything i didn't kick down a door no absolutely not i walked in an open door which i thought was a public building i mean i believe it's called the people's house um, and, and, and then there's all sorts of other people like Ray Epps that were telling people to break laws and all that, that were never charged. They were taken off the FBI's most wanted list. You know, it, it's really, it's really weird when you, when you see all these things, um, you know, from bird's eye view. So Tim, let's, let's take a minute and let's talk about Ray Epps. So, um, I do have the clip, the famous clip of Ray Epps that Tucker Carlson has played on numerous occasions. Dan, can you play that clip, please? We need to go in to the Capitol. Okay, so what a lot of people don't know is you are the one on that video yelling "Fed, Fed, Fed" uh, yeah. about Ray Epps. So, what made you think he's a Fed, and what information do you have about Ray Epps that the general public just doesn't know? Right. Yeah. So, uh, like I said, that's the chant heard around the world because yes. that's really been all over TV uh, for the last few years, which is crazy because that was just the day before January six. I was live streaming, ran into this guy. Um, I, I didn't think much of it, you know, because this is pre January six. Um, and it, it didn't go viral till about a year after, which is, which is kind of crazy how the internet works sometimes. But, um, um, it, it, it was absolutely crazy. So January 5th, the night before J six, I'm out there by BLM Plaza. I remember, uh, there was like an Antifa proud boy clash that the cops were being weird. Like everything was sort of being we were in a very strange situation. Okay. So, um, I'm going around, I'm interviewing people. Um, Ray Epps, this guy, um, which I later find out was from the same city that I was living in queen Creek, Arizona. That's kind of weird. Yeah. (laughs) And let me tell you, like all the years that I've, uh, met different people from Arizona, I've never met someone out in the world from queen Creek, Arizona until Ray Epps, of course. And it's like, huh, it's this small little, uh, suburb of Phoenix. Uh, that's actually a pretty new city. So um, he was from there. He was ex oath keeper. He was ex um, military intelligence, all sorts of weird things about him. Anyways, this guy keeps following me around. And so there's a couple clips sort of juxtaposed together in that clip that you played, because you hear the first time that I talked to him and he says like, Oh, we got to go into the Capitol. I'm like, let's go. And you can hear me kind of awkwardly like, all right, man, like, because when I stream, it's like, like you know, I'll, I'll maybe egg people on or, or I'll talk to people and be like, oh, that's very interesting. You know, so I didn't think much of it because people say all sorts of things. I'm streaming. You got to understand for like eight to 10 hours at a time. These are very um, long, unfiltered, unedited streams. Um, and the thing that happened is I kept moving away from this guy. I'm like, is this just some weird boomer or is this like what's going on? And he said it, he followed me and he said it again and he said it again and he said it again. It, it was like the third or fourth time. So he's just he, saying we're going into the Capitol. He's just following you around yeah. and saying we're going into the Capitol, yeah. Tim. Yeah, yeah. No, it, here's what he kept saying. He's yeah. like, none of this matters. None of this matters. The only thing that matters is we need to go in to the Capitol tomorrow. And, and, and something the third or fourth time, a light bulb went up in my head. I'm like, 
it was like he was reading a script. And I've I've been to a lot of political rallies. And like I said, I've been doing this almost 10 years as my profession. And that stuck. I was like, whoa, like something just hit me. And all of a sudden, like I said, it wasn't the first time, wasn't the second time. But after a few more times, he was reading a script. I believe he was reading some sort of script or had some sort of directive I mean, it was so specific. It wasn't like, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to support Trump tomorrow. We're going to fight like hell. No, it, it was so specific. And at the very moment, it, it was such a magical moment, um, like a God moment. And I, I just felt it. I was like, fed, fed, fed. And you can hear like milliseconds later, the whole crowd just joined in with me, which is why, you know, that clip is so powerful. It, it, it's electrifying you, you can feel the energy there but it, it was it was absolutely insane and we identified that this guy is admitting oh i'm gonna go to jail for this telling people to break laws telling people to go into the capitol nobody knew in anything about the capitol on january 5th and here's the other thing the fbi flew from the eastern district of new york all the way to queen creek arizona to meet with me and they called me and other people. Wait, got wait, wait. This is prior to J six. This is the, yeah, this is January 5th. Same okay. day. So I'm, a, I'm about to same day that I ran into Ray Epps. I was about to go to the airport. I was actually driving to the airport. I get a call and they're like, Hey, this is so-and-so with the FBI. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Like I thought it was a prank call. <laughs> I'm like, okay, okay. And, and, and I told them to verify it, send me an email and all that. And they end up verifying it. I'm like, what the heck is going on here? This is nuts. Um, and, and so I, I said, do you have a warrant, et cetera? I talked to my attorney. They said, no warrant, but you know, we want to talk to you about something. And, and I said, no, thank you. No, thank you. I'm good. And then the day, one day later, 24 hours, well, that night, I meet Ray Epps, who was also from Queen Creek, Arizona. And then the next day, January 6th happens and other people got warnings. I know Milo Yiannopoulos got a warning from the FBI and said, don't go. So wait, wait a second. If Trump wasn't able to call the National Guard and everyone was standing down and they had all the doors open. Like, how does that make sense if they clearly had prior knowledge to something going down because they were telling people not to go? The FBI was visiting different social media influencers that were pro-Trump telling him not to go. Why was the FBI in Queen Creek, Arizona, the same place where Ray Epps lives, trying to talk to me about something that, that you know, I guess we'll never know. Well, let's about. take let's take a stab at that. What, what do you think they wanted to talk to you about? I mean, I have my theory, but what do you think? I mean, uh, between me and my attorney, yeah. we believe they were probably monitoring me that because I was a big pro-Trump influencer at the time. I yeah. was going to all the Stop the Steal events. I think they had prior knowledge of this uh, going down and basically we're going to, I don't know, offer me like, hey, you know, work with this guy Ray Epps yeah. And, yeah. and we'll give you this deal or, or whatever. I don't, I, I think they were up to no good. That's what I think. Because it makes, and like I said, the the Megan O'Reese was her name and I looked her up. She's from the Eastern District of New York. You don't just fly across the country and be like, hey, we're in your neighborhood. Like, let's let's talk. No, like something very sinister and very serious was going down. And then when you add all the elements of me running into Ray Epps, he's following me around. I call him a fed the next day. Exactly what he said happened. Whoa. It's like, huh. And and now it's admitted there were federal informants in that crowd. Hundreds of them, actually. Yeah, that's been admitted by the FBI. Yeah. So it's like. I think we know what's going on here. And, and how many times do we need to be called conspiracy theorists over and over? And then it's like, oh, no, that was actually just real. And, you know, we attacked everyone who was against the vaccine and against this and that. And now it's all real. And Fauci screwed you over. You know, I, I, I'm just so sick of it. It's just like I just know in my heart of hearts that I'm right about these things. Maybe not 100 percent of things, but most things I feel like we, you know, God gives us this common sense where we can just kind of you know, understand if something is right or wrong. And th this has just been a crazy, crazy experience. No, for my sure. life, we, we got about a minute left, but I do want to point out that there was a Tucker Carlson interview with the former Capitol Police Chief Stephen Sund, where he says everything appears to be a cover up. 
Uh, he said, if I was allowed to do my job as the chief, we wouldn't be here. This didn't have to happen. He also goes on to say, could there possibly, this is me quoting him, could there possibly be actually they kind of wanted something to happen? It's not a far stretch to begin to think that. It's sad when you start putting everything together and thinking about the way this played out. Was that their end goal? So this was an interview that was supposed to be put out on Tucker Carlson right before he was fired. Uh, Tim, stay put. We're going to be right back after with more of this story after news, traffic, and weather on the main event. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman with United American Mortgage and host of the main event, Heard Weekends, right here on AM590, The Answer. Think about this. Your mortgage rate is at 3%, but your car loan is now at 10 or 11%. Over the past year, the average car payment has risen from $400 to $800. Rates on your credit cards have risen from an average of 14% up to 20% and higher. And across the country, credit card balances are higher now than they were before COVID. HELOCs are now at 10%. You don't want to touch your low-rate mortgage, but you're paying through the nose on all of your other debts, and it's hard to make ends meet. Solution? Do a cash-out refinance and wrap all your debt together on your house now and lower all your payments. Then, when the rates really drop next year, you can do a rate and term refinance when rates are really low and not have to pay the cash-out refinance fees to do it. If this idea makes you curious, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. Or go to edhoffman.net and click on the United American Mortgage logo. Ed Hoffman, NMLS ID number 9921. United American Mortgage Corporation, NMLS ID number 1942. United American Mortgage Corporation is an equal housing lender and licensed by the California Department of Real Estate. AM 590, the answer. And welcome back to the main event. I am Scott McAfee. I'm the owner of Don's Bicycle Store in Rialto and Redlands, and I'm filling in for Ed Hoffman. Ed is on vacation. He'll be back in a couple of weeks. Just remember, if you need any help in getting involved with any of the fantastic companies that are real estate, you can call Ed at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. Or if you need a new bike, you can get a hold of us at donsbikeshop.com in Rialto and Redlands. We're here to serve all your cycling needs. We are back on the program with my favorite coast, Jody Swan. We lost her halfway through the last part. I was wondering why she seemed so quiet. Uh, <laughs> my my favorite co-host, Jody Swan, a.k.a. That Conservative Girl. We're also back on with former political prisoner, Tim GNA, a.k.a. Baked Alaska. Guys, welcome back to the show. Hey, good Thanks to be so back. Thanks so much for having us. All right, so I want to, like, we've talked a little bit about your experience uh, at January 6th. So you were there. You didn't think that much of it. You live streamed it. I was curious as to why your live stream wasn't allowed to be evidence, because to me, that would be the, the single most important part of, of your defense is your own video showing that you didn't trespass and you didn't do anything called disorderly conduct, whatever that is. You didn't break anything, but that wasn't allowed to be administered. It entered as evidence. Well, um, just just real quick. So, so my live stream was allowed to be evidence. I was saying additional oh, video footage. So it. there was like I had one main live stream, but then there were um, I lost service because there was really bad service. So there were a couple clips that um, I, I filmed off stream. And, and so what I'm trying to say is that they knew and we asked for these, but they wouldn't give up that footage. So it, the live stream was basically an incomplete um, you know, receipt of everything that happened. It, it was most of it. It was most of it. But um, th- there were a couple spots that they did not allow um, us to get that footage, which which was very crazy. But uh, yeah. <laughs> so let's let's talk about you went to J6. You left. You maybe didn't think that much more about it. But what happens next? Yeah. So um I remember it happening and I I've been to so many riots, you know, BLM, Antifa, proud, whatever it is left, right. I I go to all of these things and I film, I document um, because the thing is when you go to a lot of these rallies, in fact, uh, we saw this with the BLM riots, uh, you know, the mainstream news is saying, wow, it was mostly peaceful. This this is amazing. And all the celebrities are uh, bailing everybody out. And, you know, there's like a fire behind them, but they're like, wow, this is so peaceful. Isn't this amazing? And so that's where I sort of found uh, my groove a little bit is that if you go to these rallies and now there's a lot more people, but back when I was doing it in LA, I was like the only one pretty much. And if you show an unfiltered like eight to 10 hour stream of like the whole thing, you allow people to really like sort of be there in spirit and digest it 
um, in its totality, not just like little clips, you know, and, and that's what the mainstream uh, news does. And it's it's great that people are waking up to that. I think on all sides pretty much right now, uh, even Elon Musk with X.com and all that, which is fantastic to see. Um, but yeah, I, I, sorry, I don't. My point is, <laughs> you were, when were you arrested? What was it like being arrested? Oh, so, what was yeah, that? Sorry, sorry, arrest. So, sorry, jump into there's, that. There's so many stories <laughs> here. Um, yes. So I, I'm going home and like, to be clear, I was at the Capitol and then I just walked home. So I'm like, okay, everything's good. I'm all right. And then I start getting texts and it's like, wait, hold up a second. People are saying, you're a domestic terrorist. It, it, they're calling you that on CNN and you're on the run. I'm like, wait, what? Like your, your I, picture I, was on CNN, right? My picture was on CNN and it said domestic terrorist. And I'm just like, wait a second. <laughs> I just filmed a riot, you know, a protest. And then I walked home. I didn't attack anybody. I didn't break anything. I didn't loot. But all of a sudden I'm a domestic terrorist. And, and like, I, I really couldn't believe it. So I call my attorney. I had a flight the next morning and he's like, uh, yeah, I, I would not go to the airport because uh, they're probably going to start picking people up. I'm, and that's really when I uh, understood the gravity of the situation. I'm like, oh, damn, like this is this is really a serious thing here. Like I had no idea while it was going on. I, I mean, I thought it was historic. Of course, I thought it was important. Um, I but I didn't think I personally did anything criminal. And I'm just, you know, that that's just me being honest. And so I, I, I'm at my hotel and I'm like, uh, OK, so uh, me and my attorney sort of came up with the uh, uh, strategy that I should get a rental car and drive as fast as I could out of D.C. Uh, the next morning. So I, I went ahead and did that. And the funny thing is I, I was driving out of D.C. so fast, I actually got pulled over. And got a speeding ticket. Nice. <laughs> and I'm like, no. And I was, I don't know. I, I was really close to DC. My heart is pounding, but luckily, like, it wasn't in the system yet or something. So uh, the guy let me go. I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> and then I was trying to drive back to Arizona. I'm in Houston, Texas, and I start noticing uh, some, some, I, I thought cops were following me, and, and I was correct. And then I was at my hotel, and in the morning, a, uh, a hotel employee is like, Hey, do you need any towels or anything? Are you good? I'm like, yeah, yeah, uh, I'm good. I closed the door and I'm like, I could have sworn that guy had like a bulletproof vest underneath or like, and I'm like, am I just being paranoid? I don't know. And I was right. And it was an undercover cop. When I went down uh, about an hour later to my car, 20 U S marshals pulled up, get on the ground, you know, uh, all sorts of words being said there that I can't say, but get on the ground. You know, I'm on the ground. Oh my gosh. Like it, and the crazy part about this is that me and my attorney said, listen, if you have an indictment for me, I will surrender myself. But no, they didn't want that. They wanted to make an example out of me yes. and all the other J six defendants. They wanted to kick down doors. They wanted to draw 20 U S marshals with guns on us. And so they pulled, gun, they pulled guns on you. Oh, oh I, I had guns. Yeah. Pointed straight at me. Um, I, it, it was, it was terrifying. It, it was very, very terrifying. Uh, they, they were stalking me, obviously they were following me. Uh, they, you know, arrested me at my hotel. So I, I was in a detention center in Houston for five days. Uh, terrible, terrible conditions. Um, I, I was let out on house arrest with an ankle monitor for over 90 days. Um, and, and it's crazy. My, my attorney's like, this is for like ankle monitor for a misdemeanor, a non like, He's like, this is unheard of. And and that's when we started to realize so many things in this case had never been done before for this uh, category of crime. And, and that's sort of what we see over and over again with the January 6th defendants. Uh, just today, we were talking before the show. Um, luckily, and, and hopefully this sticks, um, the D.C. Uh, Court of Appeals ruled that it's unconstitutional for the courts to be giving these federal prison sentences along with federal probation. And so every little thing that has never been done before, they're all of a sudden doing. So I did my time months in uh, federal prison. And then when I get out two years, federal probation, that means I can't uh, travel outside of South Florida. I can't, you know, own a firearm. I can't hang out with certain people. I can't do this and that. There's all these rules. I got to pee in a cup. I got to, you know, do all these things. So 
luckily, I mean, this is really a miracle. This would this would be amazing. Praise God. Um, as early as tonight, I, I could be off probation, not just me, but um, a thousand other January 6th defendants. So uh, please be praying for that. I really hope that happens. Um, but th- I mean, this is like one win and there's been so many uh, losses. I mean, it, it's still good, but it, it's it's been a very, very tough battle. I, I mean, you essentially have kangaroo courts in a place that says, oh, this was this was their 9-11. Many of them actually said this was worse than 9-11, which really <laughs> doesn't make any sense. Um, but but th- this is the delusion, you know, we're dealing with on the left, uh, which, which is absolutely crazy. So. Um, you know, and as far as Trump goes, I've I've said this a lot, too. It's like these these indictments are bad. I, I see some Trump supporters coping and they're like, oh, he'll never do a danger. This is what I'll say. He better win and he better pardon himself, because if if Joe Biden wins again, he's in trouble. We're, we're all in trouble. We're all in but, trouble. Uh, you know, yeah. I, the, the downside of this interview is I'm, we're just going to run out of time, you know, because there's so <laughs> many things that I wanted to ask you. Um, yeah. Talk about, because you basically spent a more or less two-year legal battle, costing you a ton of money. They end up sentencing you to, to, to jail anyways. Now, and, and just to be clear, this was something that you had told me, was that they basically, the feds came to you and said, look, you either take a plea deal or we're going to hit you with a felony of obstructing Congress. Is that correct? Yes, that's absolutely correct. So um, this is what they did uh, to everyone. uh, And and this is sort of boilerplate language here is that if you didn't take a plea deal uh, for me specifically, they said, we're going to strap on additional felonies. So that meant multiple felonies, obstruction of Congress, which is up to a 20 year charge. Um, Hello. Like my attorney's like, Listen, you would be stupid if you don't take it like like, please just take. He's like, I'm begging you, please take this. And, you know, I there was actually a big news story because I told um, during the plea deal when it started, the judge um, said, do you believe that you're guilty? I said, no, I actually think I'm innocent. But the feds have uh, threatened me with felonies. And he's like, oh, my gosh, there was a huge thing. Uh, You can look that up. But. Um, I mean, I mean, I really believe that. And this is what I told my attorney. And because, listen, people, uh, you know, question things. And and these are very complicated legal scenarios. But I said to my attorney, if there's anything that would break my integrity, I will not take a plea deal. Uh, Meaning like if they want me to snitch or they want me to know rat someone out or et cetera. cetera." I said, I said, if if it involves anything, anything that goes against my integrity, I will not do it. And fortunately, not you know, I didn't have to do anything like that. They really did not want to go um, to trial against me, and and I think that is probably because I did live stream myself in the Capitol, and the FBI even admitted I was in there. There there were people looting, and I said, no, no, put that back. We're not here for that. So I actually stopped violence and looting from happening, and many other Trump supporters did that as well. And and you know that leads to the point that there was a lot of you know, black mask people in there that were instigating violence and we didn't know where they were coming from, you know, so th- there's lots of questions we can okay. look at there. But, you know, the, the main thing at the end of the day is that I was nonviolent in the Capitol. So many other people uh, were nonviolent. You got uh, MAGA grandmas doing time in federal prison for taking a selfie. I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. And I said this on Twitter today as well is that we need to remember, this is very important, we need to remember that this was actually a direct response to the BLM riots where they were burning down our country for six months because we saw all this happen. And like I said, the media said it was amazing and peaceful and nothing happened and all their charges were getting dropped. So it's almost like, you know, the the Fed set us up. They set up the Trump supporters like, look, these people can do all this and nothing happens. So you know, why don't you have a protest that might get a little wild and nothing will happen to you? Oh, wait, actually, things will happen to you. I don't know. It's, Joe, do you, I, I just think we should uh, remember that. Sure. Joe, do you want to jump in? Yeah, I just was wondering, in light of the D.C. Circuit Court decision, how common is it for the court to sentence someone to probation on top of jail time? Is that is that something that they're doing every day or is that something that they did to january sixers just as like an additional gotcha yeah yeah no that's a great great question jody so actually um 
like I said, it's like every instance of something that's not supposed to ever happen in our justice system. Like my attorney's like, this has never happened. This is that like everything that they could do that, that they're not really supposed to do. That is, you know, there's not really a precedent for it. They're doing, they're doing specifically to January 6th defendants because they hate us. They really want us to die. They want us to be locked away forever in a dungeon. They want to torture us. I mean, that's what's going on. Look at the, um, you know, closet photos that leaked on gateway pundit of this guy. Just, he has no toilet and he has no sink and he just has like a water spout and no blanket. He's on it. Like this is inhumane. And, and I was talking to Scott about this a few days ago. It's like, People really need to open their eyes and understand what's going on here. This is torture happening in America uh, to many innocent people to to even if you want to call them guilty to people that are being charged for misdemeanors for trespassing that are being tortured by our own federal government. Where's the ACLU? Where's the Human Rights Watch? Um, And and, and so, you know, I do see an opportunity for us to come together with the other side and, and hopefully you know, right some of these wrongs that our government is doing and get some of these people accountable. But uh, to answer your question, Jody, um, no, th- this should not have been happening. And that's why, um, you know, luckily this decision dropped down today in D.C. in the circuit courts that this is unconstitutional. You cannot give someone a federal prison sentence and then and this I, I believe this is for misdemeanors specifically, which would be my case and many others. You cannot give a prison sentence and probation. I you can do it for felonies, I believe, but for misdemeanors, you it's unconstitutional. So, but that didn't stop them. I've already been serving my probation. So, um, I I've been told by my attorney as early as tonight. You know, my probation uh, could be voided, which would be amazing. But still, I've still had to serve several months and almost two years pretrial probation, et cetera. So it, 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 they just don't care, though. Nobody has really had any accountability. We see this time and time again. And um, I just really hope Trump wins in 24 and drains the swamp for real and, and cleans up shop. Tim, Tim, I want you to explain to everybody who's listening, what was your experience like? I know a couple minutes, two, three minutes. What was your experience like in prison so that people understand what you went through? Yeah, so... Federal prison was very, very tough, um, especially when I was identified by one of the guards and thrown into the hole, um, a.k.a., you know, solitary confinement, whatever you want to call it. Um, that was the most terrifying uh, time of my life, uh, actually. And I, I do praise God for it because I, I my my faith was, um, I, I, I don't know, reinvigorated and I, and I got so close with God there because you're basically staring at the face of death. You're in a 24-7 lockdown. You can only leave the cell three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, for a shower. And you have to be handcuffed and put and locked into a shower cell. You get 10 minutes. That's it. They take all your property. You have nothing in there. And you're just, you're just stuck. And it is, it is so claustrophobic uh, being somewhere where you cannot leave. Um, I was in there 16 days. There's, you know, and, and my heart goes out to all prisoners, like not just the J6ers, but like just people in general in this country are being treated so poorly. But um, the J6ers specifically, they've been really targeting. So they called me a domestic terrorist. They knew who, I, uh, you know, they, they knew Baked Alaska, I guess. They threw me in there and, and it, it was just awful. I was having panic attacks. I was banging on the door asking to be brought to a hospital. They wouldn't do it. They didn't care. They just leave you to rot. They re- they really do. And it's re- it's really a sad thing that that's going on in this country. But, um, you know, I, I, I think, you know, my my faith in God, my support from my parents. Um, oh, my attorney actually sent an attorney to come see me and they were turned away. So I wasn't even allowed um, legal advice or legal visits. I had no phone calls for 16 days. Um, just, just left there to rot. And that's what they do. This is very, very common. And I sort of had to, you know, experience it for myself to really understand, uh, the gravity of, you know, what goes on in these prisons, but it's absolutely horrible. And this is a low security, by the way, this is not, you know, if they're doing that in a super max with murders, okay, fine. You know, whatever they, they did some crazy stuff, but no, I'm talking about low security, you know, people that got misdemeanors or nonviolent crimes. 
they're doing it to them too. And, um, you know, it's, it's really bad. My heart goes out to everybody, uh, in the DC gulags and all that. Um, I've connected with a lot of, uh, J six charities and, and groups. And, uh, we actually have been doing fundraisers because, uh, one of the hardest things is all the legal fees. And when you're in prison, it's expensive. Like they, they don't give you hygiene. So you got to buy deodorant and body wash and towels and shampoo and just basic things that you would think, oh, they would provide. No, they don't provide that for you. Or, you, you know, they might not feed you for days or whatever, you know, just however they're feeling is how they're going to treat you. And it's very, very wrong. But, um, you know, I've been uh, partnering with many organizations, Stop Hate. Uh, is is one and, and many others that are doing really good work for the J6ers. Right. You know, and look, I'm all in favor of people going to jail when they commit crimes, but there's something called cruel and unusual punishment. I mean, I'm not a, an attorney, but I've heard of that. And they're basically torturing people like you. Uh, it sounds like you feared for your life at points when you were in there. You weren't getting proper nutrition. You're being locked up in a, in a in a padded cell. You know, that that for misdemeanors, for misdemeanors, they're yeah. doing this to you. And and look, here's the, the one point. Everybody knows this is a farce. The feds know it's a farce. The judge knows that they all know this is a farce. The only reason for doing this is to scare the hell out of the rest of us. Don't you ever think about speaking out or going to a rally or because this could happen to you. That's what this is all about. You agree? Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I mean, they admitted it. The the FBI, Department of Justice, they said, we did this for shock and awe. We went after yeah. the uh, public figures, you know, so um, I am a pro-Trump, uh, you know, social media figure. I, I stream other stuff too, video games, lifestyle stuff, fitness stuff, whatever. But, you know, they know that I was very pro-Trump. I helped Trump win in 2016. And um they really didn't like that. Obviously, you know, they, they have a huge issue uh, with conservatives, with Trump supporters and Christians and all that. And um, they really, really wanted to shock people and make an example. And you see that today with the Proud Boys, 33 years for a man, Enrique Tarrio, that wasn't even in Washington, D.C. They are trying to scare the heck out of people. And listen, I'm scared of it too. Like it's working. It's working for sure. Yeah. Um, but you know, at the same time, I'm not going to stop speaking the truth. Like it is scary. It is a hard time, uh, to be alive in. Absolutely. You know, things are very uncertain, but I have a faith in God and I'm not going to stop speaking the truth. Am I going to be careful and be diligent? Yes, I am. Because you know, you, you really got to be on your toes right now. Things are getting very intense in this country, but yeah. Was, was, this, was this true that your attorney was contacted and more or less told if Tim says or does anything we don't like, we can throw more charges? Was that true? So, yes, when I when I was on um, like pretrial probation, yeah, they they, they basically were um, I, I had a P.O. once that kept trying to violate me. And she's like, I noticed you said this on your show. Well, I don't think, you know, the Department of Justice is going to like that very much. I'm like. What? I can't I can't just say how I feel on my show. And, you know, so it, it that's one thing, too. It's been you know, it was hard. I, I can speak freely now. But, um, yeah, when I was waiting for my sentencing and everything, um, they were using every little thing against me. They actually even used um, I was happy because so sometimes you get a good judge. Sometimes you get like, you know, one that hates Trump and all that. So I, I got a you know, pretty decent one. And he, he was appointed by Trump. And so I celebrated, I was like, Oh wow, I got a good judge on my telegram that was used against me in federal court during my <laughs> sentencing. They're like, how dare you be happy? about?" I'm like, wait, I can't be happy about this judge. And, and they tried to like tell the judge now you have to go even harder on him because he thinks he's not taking this serious. And it's just like, they basically want you to be quiet. They want you to shut up, which I'm not going to do. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, people always say like, when are they going to start putting us in camps? When, you know, when is it going to get crazy? Listen, folks, it's here. Okay. It, it, it's already here. So you better get right with God. You get her, better get right with your family and, uh, you know, don't stop standing up for the truth. No matter what they do, I will never stop saying the truth. And, um, yeah, it's been okay. quite the crazy journey. We got, we got about two minutes left. What have you, what have you really taken away from this experience? And what would you like to see happen? As a result of this, 
Yeah, well, like I said, um, I, I'm blessed uh, by God that he's put me in a position where I now have such a great testimony and such a great story uh, to tell people. And I never thought I would spend time in jail or federal prison or anything like that. Um, so it, it's quite unique for me specifically. And and I know many other J6ers share that view. Um, but I am starting a charity, uh, January 6th Political Prisoners Fund with many other people and writing a book uh, about my experience, which should be out next year before the election. So uh, there, there's a lot that I'm going to do, but I, I'm just really passionate about prison reform, about telling my story, uh, inspiring others, bringing souls to God and, and all that good stuff. Jody, final thoughts? I just think, you know, if you're the mainstream media, a content creator like you, Tim, is, I mean, your worst enemy because you're showing things exactly as they are. And so, and also if you're in the mainstream media, you are in the elitist pocket, right? So I think you have a huge target on your back, a target that has deep pockets. And so thank you for doing what you're doing. I think it's very brave that you continue to speak out about this. Thank you, Jody. Yeah. I mean, there, and there's, there's so much more I wanted to cover. Um, obviously this is a message to everybody. This is, this is the world we live in folks. This is the world we live in. Uh, I want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, Jody, thank you for being here. Tim, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. And we will be back next week on the main event. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman with United American Mortgage and host of the main event heard weekends right here on AM 590, the answer. Think about this. Your mortgage rate is at 3%, but your car loan is now at 10 or 11%. Over the past year, the average car payment has risen from $400 to $800. Rates on your credit cards have risen from an average of 14% up to 20% and higher. And across the country, credit card balances are higher now than they were before COVID. HELOCs are now at 10%. You don't want to touch your low-rate mortgage, but you're paying through the nose on all of your other debts, and it's hard to make ends meet. Solution? Do a cash-out refinance and wrap all your debt together on your house now and lower all your payments. Then, when the rates really drop next year, you can do a rate and term refinance when rates are really low and not have to pay the cash-out refinance fees to do it. If this idea makes you curious, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. Or go to edhoffman.net and click on the United American Mortgage logo. Ed Hoffman, NMLS ID number 9921. United American Mortgage Corporation, NMLS ID number 1942. United American Mortgage Corporation is an equal housing lender and licensed by the California Department of Real Estate. AM 590, the answer.